Listen, is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, Sandin! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham Chapel, and joining me today, as always, is the sausage himself, Luke Holmes. Hello, Graham. How are we? Hi, Luke. We um, we're doing good? Not too bad, thanks. How are you getting on? I'm I'm good. I'm very good. I promise I'll come up with a more original intro because I said sausage last week, and yeah, the sausage is a reoccurring theme. Mm, I'll, I'll do better to be more original. I, I was very, very, it was very impromptu last minute, and I, 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 pan- <laughs> I, I panicked. So, I'll, uh, I'll, I, I to panic. I apologize. I do. I'll do better next time. So, Ooh. we are coming to you a few hours after the first round of F1 2021. It is in the books, the Bahrain Grand Prix. Done and dusted, uh, pun half intended, I guess. Although <laughs> technically it's sand, but there's imagine, I imagine there's a fair amount of dust as well. Uh, one which Lewis Hamilton won from P2 on the grid ahead of Max Verstappen and then Valtteri Bottas coming home in third. It was a very eventful race. Bahrain usually does be. I feel like this year is a bit more eventful than than some previous iterations of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Just off the, off the bat, what do you think of what do you think about that? Yeah, no, definitely. There was all sorts kicking off. There was plenty of overtakes. There was safety cars, virtual safety cars, drama before the race had even started. <laughs> it was good. I really, I could, I didn't know where to keep up. Really, like I didn't know how to keep up with some, some, some cars and some battles because there's a lot of pit stops going on. More like the Bahrain is kind of, you know, it's it's not your standard one stop kind of race. But I felt like even more so this year, there's a bit more play with the strategy. So I couldn't tell for some, especially down the midfield, I couldn't really tell who was actually battling who and who had yet to kind of make a stop. It was kind of all over the place. Yeah, no, it was it was mad. I, w- I was expecting a one stop before I went even even went into it, and then they got so far into it, and a certain team was mentioned to do a three stop, and I was like, wait, what is this? Is this like twenty twelve <laughs> or something? It's crazy. I, I think the only team that ended up at, at least trying to do the one stop was as Sebastian Vettel and Aston Martin. I think tried, yeah, and failed and did not do very well. But that was a very, well. There's a few reasons why Vettel didn't do very well. We'll get to those. We'll get to kind of a lot of our thoughts on uh, the rest of the grid but there was mostly it was one talking point really it was as the same it was heading in it was Hamilton versus Verstappen Verstappen obviously taking pole by a whopping it was almost four tenths in the end uh, a bit larger than I thought the gap was going to be in qualifying but he ended up smashing it on pole position race took a kind of a different turn uh, kind of strategy again kind of took over Hamilton Mercedes kind of hung on in that first stint went for an early stop Red Bull decided not to respond to that as Hamilton went on to the onto the hard compound tyres. They left him out, which allowed Hamilton to actually... The gap was quite significant on the first stint as well, when eventually they pulled in Verstappen for a set of the medium compound tyres. They let Hamilton go as as Verstappen made up the gap. Box Hamilton basically at the halfway stage, didn't they? They did not yeah, go very... very very strange did not go very far on those uh, on those hards I kind of wonder what the story was in terms of that we'll get to that a little bit later uh, then just for the rest of it uh, so they obviously so Verstappen had some chance at, out front on his mediums they eventually boxed him uh, few, uh, well about 12 or so laps later on not sure, yeah. not sure how, the exact number of laps but eventually uh, the gap was about it was just under 9 seconds was the gap between Hamilton and Verstappen when Verstappen exited the pits. Uh, he eventually dug into that, caught up about lap 50, 51, 
And then the biggest point in the race came just a few laps from the end where there was there was a backmarker in front. I can't remember which Sauber it was. The Giovinazzi. It was Giovinazzi. And mm-hmm. I felt like that really... For, before we talk about anything else that happened from there, I felt like that run up to turn four, which was the... Obviously, that DRS zone is probably the... I'd say one of the... Like, I think it's more important than that other DRS. Because it, it was the added one. I think it was in 20... I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, they added that DRS rate heading up the hill to, from turn four. The other one uh, that takes place, obviously, is after uh, is turn 10 to turn 11. Uh, I feel like that one to turn four is so much more important than the one at turn uh, 10 slash 11. But mostly overtakes kind of come back there. But there's a, yeah, he was on the inside, was Giovinazzi. I don't think he was doing wrong, of course. He was just getting out of the way. But I feel like that was an option that kind of Verstappen, it was taken away from Verstappen. And ultimately, in the end, he Hamilton went defensive, Verstappen went to the left-hand side, went around the outside, but ended up going off of the track limits of turn four, was immediately told to let Hamilton back through, which he did off of that, uh, off of turn 10, heading down to the turn 11 straight. And then from there, it was unable to re-overtake Hamilton, and then Hamilton won the race by, I think it was just under a second in the end. The big point of contention, of course, was that overtake, off of the track limits of turn four. The, what instantly came to mind was USA 2018, where Verstappen went technically off of the track limits of that uh, of the last sector in USA 2018 for a podium spot. It was ultimately, he was given five seconds for it. I don't think the decision to, to let Hamilton go, I think was the correct one. Now they were instructed, Christian Horner came on for the radio afterwards to tell Verstappen that they had that directive from the FIA to let Hamilton back through. I don't think the point of contention is the actual decision itself to let Hamilton back through, but is the impl- is how it was the as how the track limits were applied during the race. What was your take on all of that? The track it's have been a problem all weekend. They were mm. um allowed to dictate the track limits in previous tracks in the previous seasons like if they felt they were being too harsh to they would go to the stewards after the race and or after quality or practice or whatever and ask them to adjust them whereas this weekend they came into it and the stewards said from the start that they were going to look at turn four in particular as that's a common area that people seem to gain an advantage i felt the decision was correct as as you said but um the, the actual usage of the stewards in that scenario, they, they should have dictated more from the start that they were keeping an eye on track limits at turn four for the entire race. Because they said beforehand that they were only going to really look at it in practice and qualifying, which would, to me makes no sense. If you're doing two, why not do all three? Mm. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, the one that you you're saying that the thing that came to mind was obviously uh, Portimao last year, where it was it was crazy the limits, and then the drivers weren't too too happy about it, and they kind of lessened over the weekend on the uh, the limits there. On I think I think it was at Portimao. It was. It was. So that's the thing. The consistency here is the problem. A couple of drivers. I was watching the F1 live show afterwards with uh, Will Buxton and uh, Pietro Fittipaldi. And they asked, uh, the drivers they got to chat to, it was kind of, they asked kind of the same kind of question and they asked this to uh, Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris about what the drivers were told about turn, about kind of the turn four limits into the race. And as you, basically as you were alluding to as well, they were clamping down for on practice and qualifying. Obviously it was a big point of contention qualifying. The main 
sticking point with uh, Sergio Perez uh, in the end who kind of got who obviously was the big loser when it came to track limits because he obviously had his first run deleted then the second run couldn't uh, couldn't get through to Q3 on those mediums but it's weird right you would I think you're just looking for a bit of consistency I, I think just if you're going to nail it down in practice and qualifying then why wouldn't you nail it down for the race as well either yeah. it's not an issue or and then you take it all away and say just go for it just, just turn four whatever or you say it's the same for the race as well and it was strange even Lewis Hamilton had this point in when he in the during the race because obviously Mercedes came over the radio said they had the director from the FIA too to try and clamp down on turn four during the race so it was very odd that that stance had changed because as Hamilton was saying like it was, they're doing it all all race long it wasn't different to what they were doing beforehand but their sudden their sudden sudden stance to try and clamp down on it during the race was uh, was really odd so I think this is the the main kind of point of contention from the race not so much Verstappen kind of relinquishing the lead I think everyone's agreement that that was the right thing to do Christian Horner's obviously supportive of that afterwards as well uh, there's an article on the race from there at uh, the race.com uh, love their love their coverage and their quick quick, quick analysis uh, were was race controls for Stappen Hamilton call right so their experts went through it and it, it looks at the different sides of it the for Stappen's point of view afterwards was could not could I have just uh, could I have not just gone through and if a penalty had come my way accept it and then because he, he said he was confident that he could have perhaps broken five seconds in that time there's a t- few different sides of looking at that and the one that stood out to me the most was uh, Ed Straw's point of view and he said ignoring the call would have set a bad precedent and I, and I actually agree with that one because when you're told to do it and then you don't do it it just I think it just sends the wrong image it would have looked poor and if it was something that Mercedes, if Mercedes had done it, there would have been outrage as well. And it has to be the same for Red Bull as well. Like I know we're, we're F1 fans want Mercedes domination to end, but the, for the fact that you put yourself on the other side of the of the situation, if Mercedes had, if that was Hamilton who had got around the outside of Verstappen and had kept the place, taken the penalty, everyone would have been very upset about it. And it has to be the same way for for Verstappen. So I think it was the right thing to do, even if Verstappen would have wanted to push on. Whether he could have cleared five seconds, I'm not sure. No chance. Uh, it would have. It would have been. I think it would have got maybe three or four. But I'm not sure if yeah. he's clearing five. And even then, if you're ignoring a, a you know directive and that kind of thing, you might even get more than that. So I think ultimately the right thing was the right call was made. But I I do think the it just needs to be a bit more consistency from the from the um, from the FIA and and the stewards. And I think that is going to be a talking point with drivers heading into uh, future events. Yeah, definitely. The, the the other thing that sprung to mind with me was why why didn't Max let Hamilton go in a better place? Because he lost so much time letting him go in the place he did. So you think perhaps down? I was thinking about this too. So obviously you're, you're I imagine you're thinking either the last turn or are you thinking main straight? Main straight. Let him go past, and then you've still got yourself set for another DRO straight to get straight back past. The thing, you- yeah. Sorry. The thing I was thinking with that was. And it's something Lewis Hamilton has talked about quite often at, at some at, at stages as well. Is that when he did this in Belgium 2008, he let Raikkonen go on the same straight and then overtook him down into Turn One. I think they would have the stewards may have come down on that because he didn't really give him much of an advantage if you let him go and then instantly kind of go back within DRS and then pass him into Turn One. I think perhaps maybe if he had done down the same main straight, he would have had to have come back up towards Turn Four. But I think if he had let him. If he'd let him go at the start of the of that pit straight and then overtake him into turn one, I don't think that would have actually 
I don't think they would have actually uh, solved anything and Hamilton would have been very quick to bring up the fact that he got done for that in 2008. Yeah, it definitely would have because I, I, I would do the same if that, that was me. It's, it's if, if buts and maybes, isn't it? Anything could have changed in that mm. scenario. Amb- ambiguity, I think, was the word of the day, really, in terms of this whole thing. I do think another part of this, and Pietro Fittipaldi kind of referenced this afterwards as well in the F1 live post-show, that I th- he thinks, and I agree with him, that I think Red Bull would have thought perhaps Verstappen would have been a. I think they were confident Verstappen would be able to get back past Hamilton again. Yeah, I, I was confident Verstappen would get back past. But obviously, sitting in that dirty air for so many laps, and it, it just eventually you've seen him on lap 55 I think it was he was just squirming as soon as he came up the hill in sector 2 he could not slow that car down very well the thing yeah so Mercedes had a bit of an advantage of that part of the race in sector 3 that I was looking at Verstappen's onboard uh, during the race at that time he was the back end was very all over the place coming into th- turn 13 so he was losing quite a lot of time in that part of the track and by the time you're heading down towards the last corner he's 8 and 9 tenths and there was a one lap near the end I think it was at 54 I think or 50, yeah, 54 where he was out of DRS entirely so he was yeah. just really struggling with the back end of the car I don't know if he was trying to just get the throttle down a bit more just trying to just trying to get back to him but excuse me he really let him down on that part of the track the back end just wanted to re-step away he didn't quite look the same after no. after having let him go so it was a it was a very strange one to be uh but look credit to Lewis Hamilton. Look, those tires went basically half the race. The, his first set, I think, went sixteen laps. It was not a very long stint on the hards. Uh, Hamilton was pushing hard for this one. He definitely earned it. Kind of reminiscent to somewhat reminiscent in some ways to Vettel slash Bottas from from a uh, twenty twenty eighteen, I believe. Yeah. 2018. So where, where Vettel just about hung on. I don't think, because we lost, of course, we lost a lap at the beginning of this with Sergio Perez's electrical issues that forced a second formation lap, which took away one lap at the end. So it was a 56 lap race, or sorry, 55. No, so it was 56. Yeah, instead of a 57 lap race. I don't think this ultimately made too much difference. I don't think Verstappen was getting by at that stage. Even if we had an extra lap, I don't think he was basically pushing him along. Maybe but I, my thinking is that he wouldn't have got by on another lap. Yeah, no, no. That, that, I think the, just the rear of the car just had it. I think I'm tired. Some both cars were shot, and just him sat in that turbulent way for the, that extra lap would have just made it even worse. Yeah, so uh, not much more, I think, Verstappen could have done. I think Hamilton gave it his all as well. It was just really good to see both of them kind of go at it. I wish we got a bit of a longer battle between them and kind of a bit more over kind of side-by-side action but I I think it was one of those where if Verstappen does get by he kind of just drives off a little bit into the into the distance but still really good to see those two kind of as advertised going head-to-head in race one yeah I'm happy but I'm not happy I'm happy that it's 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 gone into the season and we've got this battle straight away Mm. it's not just Mercedes have been sandbagging all the way through testing which they have but not as much as everybody seemed to think it was right. Everyone expected they would eventually, like they would obviously bring a bit more of an A game to, uh, to the actual race itself, and that was the case. But there, even though they won the race, I still think they are behind a bit in terms of where Red Bull are at. And I think some heading towards some of these some higher downforce tracks, like obviously we're headed, we've Imola next in three weeks. Uh, that should be unless something dramatically changes between now and then. That should be an event where Red Bull. Uh, should be considered favourites heading in. So I think everyone, I think Verstappen was, you know, he's disappointed, of course, but I think, look, it's a 23 race season. There's a long way to go. Verstappen, I think he's just, I think he referred to it as seven points lost, but 
I think the f- encouraging thing for him was that they're right there to begin the season. Yeah, not not the previous pattern that Red Bull have had for the last few years where they've just been nowhere and then they've just come on when it's too late. Yeah, so it's, they, it's good to see him there. Yeah, so that's the encouragement. And look, for to be fair to Hamilton, it's his first race one victory since 2015. That is, that is mad. Yeah. That is mad to think about it. He hasn't won the opening round since 2015. Obviously, he went on to win the title last year as well. So, to be fair, <laughs> I mean, no one else who's won opening races has, uh, since since 2015 has gone, apart from Rosberg, of course, has gone on to win the uh, the title. It's been Hamilton every way apart from 20 from 2016 have you any final thoughts about hamilton and verstappen as for that race i think we covered basically most yeah, I of think the we covered um, it all i think we have so we'll kind of trans that's kind of that was the main sticking point we'll kind of move on and kind of hit on let's start with our we're gonna, i think we're going to call us basically our top performers basically for mm-hmm. this segment basically which basically covers the rest as such the other talking points apart from the main the main talking point, which of course was Hamilton and Verstappen. I've got a number on this list, but why don't you go first and what you've got? So the obvious candidates start off with Ferrari on a whole. Mm. Yes, I've got both of, I've got Sainz slash Leclerc slash Ferrari. Yeah, I'll put them as one. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll run over them briefly and then I'll come back and swing back around. Uh, McLaren in the race itself, especially Lando. Yep, yeah, I have Norris here as a strong, strong winner. Who else? I'm missing someone here. Uh, I could run through a few if you need to. Uh, Sergio Perez's race. Yes, that was it. Is his comeback drive? Obviously, we'll, we'll cover <laughs> these in a bit more, bit more detail. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, of course, from I think it was P13 on the grid. Yep, Kimi. Uh, I, I have I have Alfa Romeo as a whole. I I would I wouldn't put them in as a whole because Giovinazzi was awful. Well, we'll, okay, we'll, we'll discuss these in more detail as well. Uh, Fernando Alonso. I have as actually yeah. as a top performer as well. Again, we'll cover him. And my last one here is Aston Martin's race pace. Yeah, that's, that's decent. So why don't we start with uh, Ferrari then? So P6 for Leclerc, P8 for Sainz. He was very close to Daniel Ricciardo at the end of that stint was Sainz. Very, kind of a low-key race from Sainz, but Leclerc was obviously the kind of more shining star. Overtook Bottas on the softs at the start of the race, maybe to be expected. I actually didn't. I didn't even catch the fact I was on board. Bot had to start the race. I thought a good vantage point from P three. Didn't actually see the point where he actually lost the position because looking over at the uh, the other incidents and the such. But uh, he kind of held P four for a lot of that race, and then uh, Norris eventually got him. Or sorry, Norris got him with kind, of, kind of quite early on, and then he held P five essentially. Net P five did the clerk for a lot of that race, and then Perez came late on and uh, overturned a significant time deficit as well. He's basically a second a lap or so quicker come the end of the end of the race, but they. Their test wasn't stellar, heading heading into the race. But they come come even Friday, their long run pace was actually very good. And then it was nice to see that translate into obviously the top Q two with their soft compound tires, while everyone else was on uh, kind of the hard hitters were on their mediums. And then the race pace again, as kind of alluded to on Friday, was quite strong. They look a co- they look pretty comfortable in a sense. I think right now as the the fourth quickest team. What were your what were your thoughts on uh, Ferrari in, in Hull? They, they surprised me. Mm. I, I was expecting the worst going into this season. Like I was thinking to myself, right, this is another season where nothing's going to really happen, and we're going to be like seventh or eighth, something like that. I, I don't know where to put them yet as such because obviously it's only the first race. Right, <laughs> there's one big team missing from that entire scenario that we didn't really get to see much of because mm. of incidents on that one. But I, it's, it's the, the Ferrari package on a whole just looks a lot more refined and smoother and 
lot cleaner to handle. The, the clerks that have to qualify, and they it just they're not where they expected to be, but they should be happy with where they are. Yeah, they should be pretty happy. I think. I'm trying to think, like it was, it's probably a best case scenario for them. Looking at that, uh, mm. looking at that result, they again splitting basically splitting McLaren's. I think was was big for them with the with the clerk. Obviously, Ricardo still getting up to uh, getting up to speed. Uh, it was interesting to kind of see Science. He's a little bit further down than he. I think he finished. Where was he? He was about. I'm just looking at the t- finishing times and my maths is pretty terrible. But I think he finished eight seconds behind. Behind the uh, behind the clerk, his teammate, obviously with Ricardo in the middle, uh, he's. Uh, you might argue that Science won a few drivers, or that one lap really mattered. Losing that, he was definitely catching Ricardo at that towards the end of that race. I think he. I don't know if he. I can't remember if he crept within DRS in the end, but he certainly was closing in on Ricardo, who seemed to be struggling a little bit on his uh, on his tires. But I think they should be encouraged heading heading in. Now this might be one of the better tracks for them because it does seem that their engine package is quite strong. Yeah, not perhaps to the level of Mercedes and Honda, but it does seem to be quite there. So, this could be one of their better tracks. So perhaps this level might not last into some of the more high downforce circuits. I do think there's some correlation between their strong pace and I think Alfa Romeo's strong pace, finishing eleventh and twelfth. We'll cover Alfa Romeo in a bit, but those are kind of my thoughts of Ferrari. They, they were at this track. They were the I think they were the fourth kind of comfortably in a sense the fourth uh, fourth quickest on the on the day yeah definitely let's move on to McLaren uh, fourth and seventh for them Norris obviously I think what was quite key for Norris and he's he said this after the race was that his start he obviously got through on Ricardo at the start Ricardo starting ahead of Norris and I think that was really key for Norris. He, he mentioned that that was a key point, that fact that there's two restarts, basically, he was able to make track position. I think that was uh, really important for him. He was able, Ultimately, he finished 46 seconds behind uh, behind Hamilton and uh, Verstappen. Kind of, he basically, he was, they, they basically confirmed where they believed they were at. They say they never really believed the hype that they, uh, you know, kind of a second, or kind of how close could they be to the top two teams? They, they kept themselves fairly grounded. That was ultimately... Uh, proved <laughs> fairly uh, fairly sensible in the end, but a good haul of points for McLaren. Ricardo seems to tr- struggle a bit on his tires, fell away quite a bit. He, he, he was about twenty seconds off of Norris in the end. Obviously, a few cars in between him as well. But uh, Nor- Norris was the I think the big winner of the kind of the, the best of the rest kind of bunch in P in P four in P four there. Definitely, I was quite happy to see McLaren up there because I said to you after qualifying, I was quite disappointed with them because they were not as high up as I expected them to be. In qualifying, think, yeah. Yeah, that one lap pace, I don't think is there just yet, but we'll get on top of it more as we go through it in the season. But the actual race pace, very strong. I'm very confident that they will be the third best team throughout the season with it. Yeah, nothing's really changed my mind in that kind of from that point of view of uh, that McLaren are going to be the third best team, and certainly Norris showed it. Again, he... Obviously, look, Perez, you, you don't expect to be finishing behind McLaren's, but uh, yeah, I nothing is really very, very much like their test, kind of a low key, kind of as expected kind of thing from McLaren. Nothing really too shocking. I think Mc, Ricardo obviously will get better as he because it took him a while at the start. Now, that 2019 Renault car wasn't, wasn't great. But Ricardo was fairly happy kind of post-race that he was in a better place with the car 
uh, from moving from Renault to McLaren than when he was moving from Red Bull to uh, Renault. So I think he'll obviously fare better with the car as as it goes on. Perhaps not too much of a surprise that Norris was ultimately able to uh, prevail in the end. Yeah, no. Norris has got two years in that setup, so he's obviously going to know straight away. It's, it'd be the same with every driver, to be honest. Yeah, I think so as well. So I think next on we should touch on Sergio Perez, obviously finished P5. Uh, it looked like he wasn't actually going to start at all. Formation lap, car just seemed to switch off heading down towards the last turn. He's starting from P11 as it was. To be fair, I think he was unfortunate because obviously he was done for in qualifying with the limits, then couldn't get this, the the mediums then to go at the end to get into the top 10. Not every track is going to be like that, I don't think, where you're going to be qualifying on, uh, on mediums. So obviously there's quite a few cars that did. So under normal circumstances, Perez isn't getting knocked out in Q2. It was very close in the end. I think it was 3,500s. He was knocked yeah. out. It was very, very close. But like you'd had, you had Stroll, the two Ferraris, Alonso, you know the, the two McLarens. I also think you had to use softs. So it seems like there's not. If you get a bad lap in that 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 room is there for you know a, a you know a car like that to kind of get pegged out of the top ten compared to the others. So I think he, I think Perez's starting position was a little unfortunate in that regard. But his race pace was very strong. He somehow was able to get going. He had to do the pit lane start obviously with the uh, extra formation lap and obviously being pushed back uh, to basically we well, got it going again somehow um whatever the way they managed to boot it up we managed to get going uh, they actually started on the uh, i was look, listening to ricardo's radio at the start when he's on the grid and they're saying that perez started out was starting on instead of used mediums but then oh. p- mm, used mediums and then i don't think they had only had any other fresh set of mediums so i think he had to use, uh-huh. he, he had to use both of them in qualifying i believe because I remember at the oh, end yeah. of uh, Q2, a nice shiny set was uh, put on put on that car. But it wasn't it seemed to fare better when he pitted on the safety car for a, another set of used mediums. That seemed to fare a bit better. But race pace was strong. Obviously, not really representative race for Sergio Perez, given, obviously, where he, he had to basically come through the entire field. But what did you make of uh, of uh, Perez's Red Bull debut? It was good, considering the circumstances. Like You took any driver into that scenario and you get... He get a similar result. He, Norris was just a bit out of touch. I think he would have got him with a couple more laps, but the actual overall, he seemed to get more and more comfortable with the car. He looked very satisfied with his overtake, should should I say. He, the, the, he picked one spot out of turn four and kept doing it around the outside. And it was, it was just a clean, clean debut considering the circumstances. Yeah, I don't think he could have expected too much more. And I think listening to him post-race as well, I believe he's on the F1 Live show as well, that he seemed to be pretty happy with just uh, the runs he was getting in terms of just the laps. And it, it seems like he was just happy with a further understanding of the car as the race went on. So pretty, pretty satisfactory for him. I think you couldn't... If that, if that was F1 2020, I think he finishes fourth. But I think with the steps kind of made this year and the grids a little bit closer together, I think that fifth was probably the best he was going to do. Again, it was a stellar effort from Norris as well, not to take that away from him. But I think Perez, you couldn't expect too much more from him. He did a very good job to get up to P5 in the end, I think. Definitely. Norris, like, like I say, was just a bit out of reach. Uh, moving on to Yuki Tsunoda. So uh, <laughs> he stunned everyone, didn't he, in uh, Q, Q1. When he went, he finished second, I believe, in, in Q1, didn't he? It was, uh, yeah. Very impressive stuff. He couldn't, unfortunately, carry it through to get to Q3. Uh, his teammate obviously ended up qualifying fifth, I believe, was Gasly in the end. Yeah. Sonoda ended up 
15th. Yeah. So, but race was very strong for him. That car was very strong in the race. He made some good overtakes. He, the one, the big one, I think, was on Fernando Alonso into turn one. He's very, he's quite far back, which I think <laughs> signifies two things to me. One, that Honda engine was very, very good. I, he was able to catch quite a bit on that on that Renault engine heading down towards turn one. I don't think Alonso was too suspecting of an attempt, which I think highlights Sonoda's, I don't want to call it boldness, but he's very brave in terms of overtaking. He will go for it. It was good to see a rookie in his first race, big pressure, with a good car underneath him. He just kind of went for it, didn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't out of control, but he was brave at the same time. Yeah, he was basically saying, if you leave me the space, I'm going for it. I do not care. It's, it's happening. End of. Mm, and that was obviously very much what he was like in F2 as well. It was, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, ultimately, he ended up getting P9 in the end, uh, finishing ahead of Stroll there. So I think a very good debut for Sonoda. I think he's already going to get better as the season goes on, as he gets more comfortable with the car and with the sport. And I think he, yeah, very good result for him. I think everyone should be very happy for for him down at AlphaTauri. Yeah, he seemed a bit quiet in the first stint, but then seemed to mm. come alive as soon as he changed off them tyres and then really came into his own. Yeah, he was uh, he was very strong and highlighted the potential of that AlphaTauri car, but we'll get to that more a bit later. Uh, I have another winner here for top performer. Aston, so Aston Martin's race pace. So Stroll had himself a very solid race in the end. He ended up finishing 10th, which I believe is where he started. Yeah, I uh, think it was, yeah. Had a yeah. few duels early on with Fernando Alonso. Just, I think Aston Martin can be very satisfied that their car held up a bit better in the race than I think qualifying would have showed. Yeah, that's fair to say. And given their limited testing, they obviously got one of the, some of the fewest laps. I think Vettel was the, the fewest in terms of actual 2021 20, drivers. So to get, to be where they are, I think they'll be fairly satisfied with P10 and that their pace was fairly fairly decent all things uh, all things considered there yeah it was, it was with the pack so there's nothing to really be upset about Vettel is a different story but Stroll himself he was there amongst the Ferrari amongst the McLarens amongst the Soul Alpine constantly fighting with Alonso <laughs> yeah it was uh, I had the better of him in the end in, in the race but I don't have too much more else to say than Aston Martin other than I think they'll be, be fairly pleased all things yeah. considered, given their testing and how qualifying went as well, that they're they were they were decent enough in the in the race with Stroll there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Stroll finished just ahead of the two Alfa Romeos, who I have here as the top performers as well. I think thinking about it more, I think the part of that is with the Ferrari engine. Uh, Raikkonen finished ahead of Giovinazzi, eleventh and twelfth. Raikkonen was actually only he was only two point one seconds off of Stroll in the end for a point. I think he may have achieved, he could have achieved this point. How had Alfa Romeo let? had swapped the cars in the first stint. Raikkonen was fairly sure he'd go quicker than Giovinazzi in the first stint. They ended up, uh, ended up boxing Giovinazzi first and do it that way. Uh, I don't know if... That, I don't. I wouldn't see this as a missed opportunity for Alfa Romeo, but they were stronger than I thought they would be in in the race in the end. They seemed to be in a class of their own. There wasn't really with the guys in front in class B and there wasn't in class C. There was just that slap bang in the middle well they're they, weird they definitely were quicker than the uh the alpines in the race trim at bahrain which i don't think everyone would have expected heading in uh Reichen was able to make a move there on alonso during the race as well so 
And I, I kind of enjoyed it. Nostalgic. Well, that was nostalgic, just seeing Riken and Alonso uh, go at it. Not that Alonso could have fought too much with it, but uh, no. it was just it was just nice to see anyways. And, yeah. uh, I don't have too much more to say about Alfa Romeo. I think they will regress slightly next time out in the Imola, but uh, the, the, it's, I think the overall encouragement for both Ferrari and Alfa Romeo is that the, uh, the package in the back of that is quite competitive. So that bodes well, I think, going forward. Yeah, it's there. It's not like last season where they've got nothing to go off and they know for the full season that they've got this terrible package mm. to work with. So, so I think you might, I think you will see them fight for a few more points, I think, obviously, than, than last season. And my final top performer is Fernando Alonso here. Um, the first stint was such an Alonso kind of a kind of stint, wasn't it? Like he was just, he was there to take advantage of the chaos going on in front, obviously, with Gasly hitting, hitting into the back of Ricardo, losing his front wing and uh, the various foibles kind of going on. Alonso was there in the thick of it. Uh, the race pace didn't quite line up for Alpina. It wasn't great. So Alonso, while he made positions at the start, ended up kind of falling into the clutches. So obviously first was... For, I'm trying to think who was first. It was Stroll first, wasn't it? Who, yeah, and then Sainz. I'm trying to think if one of the McLarens had to go through it as well. I think, I'm trying to think if um, one of them had to go through him as well. I don't, I don't think so. But yeah. uh, so definitely uh, Sainz, Stroll... Um, Sonoda eventually as well Raikkonen kind of went through they tried they tried Alpine to get him in back in front and they did so to be fair with a very early stop Alonso undercut past the uh, McLaren of Daniel Ricciardo as well as uh, the likes of Stroll as well but that didn't last for very long uh, they they went they went through quite easily in the end the, the Alpine didn't look great We'll get. We'll talk about them as disappointments in the, in a, in a minute or two. But Alonso himself did everything he could. Basically, it was a very typical Alonso performance. Sadly, the car didn't quite match his talents. But he, they were. I think to be fair, Alpine reacted as they should have. They, they they did what they had to do to put him in the right spots. And that, you know, they obviously they undercut those guys. And he was ahead of them on track and did what he could. But uh, just, it just it just couldn't last in the end. Yeah, so it's like it's been a lot of typical Alonso when he's been in F one two or three years ago. But he's got the car; it doesn't really match up to his talent, and he's just stuck it out. And he's he's there, ready, but unfortunately, the car let him down once again. Yeah, I had to rep- retire, I believe. Uh, Will Buxton was saying after uh, in the F one post show was the with uh, brake issues apparently. In the end, yeah. was what. Uh, was what well, they forced him to retire, but yeah, unfortunate end for Alonso. But he performed quite well all weekend, especially in qualifying as well, getting into Q three. I think they mentioned, I can't remember exactly, but it was a very long time since Alonso had actually been in Q three. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was nice to see that as well. Yeah, it's it's just good to see him back there. No, that was that was the main thing. Have you anyone else under your top performers list? No, I think we've covered everybody, really. Okay, we're moving on to disappointments. Uh, would you like to start with this one? Uh, I have a few in mind. Who would you like to start with? Alpine. I have, I have them at the top of my list as well. <laughs> Alpine and Ocon. Ocon, here's the thing with Ocon. He was close enough to Alonso uh, during that second stint. Uh, he was only, like Once Alonso kind of fell through the field, Alonso's tyres were quite were quite poor. In that second stint, those mediums weren't quite working towards the end. Ocon wasn't too far back. He did have fresher tyres, but Ocon was surprisingly upbeat speaking to uh, Will Buxton and Pietro Fittipaldi in the F1 post-race show. He was surprisingly upbeat afterwards, so 
I don't like maybe that was just a PR thing, but I don't know. He seemed quite upbeat. Was was Ocon afterwards that they could, uh, you know, that could, they could kick on? But I do think they were definitely disappointments. Alpine as a whole, they just it, whether this track doesn't work for them, but it just it just didn't work. The car looked a little understeery at times. They just weren't there, and they couldn't. They put themselves in good positions with Alonso in Q three, and with the the strategy at times as well with with their cars. They, Ocon was actually disappointed that they didn't. Uh, he was fighting. He said he was disappointed that they they were didn't weren't showing his battles. He was quite in the thick of it. To be fair to him, uh, with Giovinazzi and the such, as well as some other cars as well. But uh, just the yeah, it, it just didn't really work for them. No, no, it, it was quite disappointing to see. To be honest, Alonso was mm. saying that the car was understeery, but then he got a really loose back end, so it was really hard to find the right self to suit the track. And try and eliminate both of them issues at the same time. Don't know how you go about doing that. I do think this track is just going to be one that doesn't work for them. I do think they'll be better at other tracks, but they, I would be quite concerned moving forward. Like it is just one race, and I do think this particular track, it, it, it just doesn't seem to agree with them. Perhaps straight line speed stuff. Perhaps there'll be more. Again, they want to change the philosophy of the car to be a bit more kind of you know run towards downforce and aerodynamics opposed to previous years where it's been a bit more of a uh, you know you kind of you do well at monza kind of low downforce kind of thing so we'll, we won't really know how much that philosophy has actually been executed i think until we go to other tracks starting first and foremost with with imola but uh, at bahrain it just didn't they just weren't there no it probably will work a little better at imola for sure yeah so I'm slightly concerned, but you know it's 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 tough, isn't it, to not overreact after one race, especially when we have we we have a three week uh, wait between uh, between tracks. But uh, <laughs> uh, second disappointment I have is uh, Pierre Gasly. Yes, uh, qualified stellarly. Absolutely, is that a word stellarly? But uh, yeah, yeah, it is. T- Tom Tom stellarly. No, sorry, no, um, no. <laughs> uh, put the car in fifth place. Did really well. Uh, then. At the start, lost a place to Ricardo. Ended up running into the back of him, uh, heading down the hill basically. And the I think it was the was it heading heading right, I think. Yeah, as you're coming down the hill, yeah. Uh, ended up chopping off the front wing. Never really recovered from that. I think he. I'm looking at the classification here. He must have retired, he retired late on because he's four laps down at the end, still classified, but uh, just just it was never able to recover. The safety, yeah, just I don't know. Even with the safety car, it just didn't. Couldn't, uh, couldn't. I don't even think he caught up. No, I don't think he did, to be fair. It was actually quite a quick safety car, to be fair, uh, at times. So, I don't know. I just couldn't, we couldn't get a proper glimpse. Like, Sonoda did well, but we do expect Gasly to be the better of those two starting out, of course. So, we never really got a true glimpse of that Alpha Tari in race trim and where it really stands up between uh, McLaren, Ferrari as well. Yeah, it might just be a one lap car. We don't know for yet, for sure. I'm sure they will have a better race than where they've done a load of testing with Sonoda. <laughs> it might be in the old car, but they've still got the knowledge right. of that track. They're, they do their kind of tests at um, like those kind of tests at Imola. So even before it was put back on the, you know, even before it was put back on the grid, and even before they went to race there last year when it was announced, you know, they, that's where they do. That's where it's closest to them to do their shakedowns and whatever they is they want they they want to do. So. They do have a bit more extensive knowledge of the track in more recent times, but I think everyone's almost in the same boat having gone to the race last year. But I do think they'll be very good in 
in uh, Imola. So I think we'll get a better sense of them. Hopefully, Gasly can get a race done as well in Imola because obviously he, had to, he was in a very good place last year. I think it was, was he fourth when they had to bring him in? I think it was fourth when he had to retire very early in that, um, in that race in that race last year. So hopefully, for their sake, they'll have a better race out next time. But I do think that car is going to be strong. But uh, fortunately, they couldn't quite. I think Sonoda highlighted some of it. But I think Gasly would have been able to highlight the extent of where that car was truly at on race one. It was unfortunate we didn't we didn't get that in the end. Uh, who do you have as another disappointment heading in heading out of this weekend? A fairly obvious one, Haas. Yeah, <laughs> I just have Haas written down. Yeah, that's, uh, that's literally it for me. Uh, starting out obviously with um, to be, let's address this first. Uh, the qualifying stuff. Mazepin dropped the car a few times. To be fair did seem that like there are some issues uh, Mazepin's described it afterwards as basically someone pulling the handbrake obviously spun at the end of um during the end at the end of Q1 as well which obviously caused a yellow flag uh ruined a few laps I think Ocon kind of got caught up in some of that apparently Vettel did as well before he uh, decided to <laughs> decided to uh he didn't slow down sufficiently under yellows for the second one apparently with Carlos Sainz which obviously gave him the uh, the penalty to start the uh, <laughs> before we even got before we even uh, before we even got going. So yeah, and then Mick Schumacher safety car restart seemed to have a similar issue. I think Mazepin himself having obviously crashed lap one was a bit too exuberant on the uh, yeah. on the old throttle heading out of uh, turn two. Ended up straight in the wall. Uh, easiest bet you could have ever made, and I you know that for first retirement of the season. And I'm so sad I didn't make it because it was easy money. Um, our friend Matthew. Uh, did and got some decent money i believe as well from it so yeah i don't like to bet on specific drivers because it's such it you know you just i prefer to just bet on a constructor i i bet on alpine as a for as a, the first constructor retirement which would have been correct but uh had a uh, masman been able to keep maintain control of his car through a uh, turn two and then mick schumacher had an, uh, an issue uh, same kind of thing it seemed like coming out of uh, turn four on the safety car restart like that and he finished in p6 basically last of everyone who finished so as kind of expected for Haas but they say uh, Will Buxton was speaking afterwards about this that reportedly the final iteration of their car is coming in Imola so already yeah two races in yeah we, 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 as we expected so you know they're bringing some things to it and then that's it so if ever they have a chance for something i guess it's gonna happen have to happen there gonna have to happen next race but yeah just as kind of we expected for half but unfortunately it's made a little worse when one of your cars sticks in the wall in the second corner of the of the yeah uh, of the of the whole season and then <laughs> yeah just schumacher having issues as well but again it's all about getting just runs for those guys so schumacher would have found i'm sure if schumacher would have found the the uh, the race itself to be uh, educational learning curve. Mm. Whereas they didn't even get that. Mazepin didn't even get that chance after he did that. So yeah, uh, I don't have anything else to say about Haas. No, I'm no. sure you have plenty of things to say about Sebastian Vettel. Oof. Where would you where like to we, begin? I was just going to say, where did we begin? Obviously, the massive qualifying mess up. Some of it wasn't his fault. There was yellow flags and other people messed him up in qualifying. But at the same time, he decided not to pay attention and ignored the double wave yellows. Straight up five place grid penalty to start the weekend off. Great job, Sebastian. <laughs> the uh, that penalty wasn't decided upon until uh, Sunday morning. This morning. So, <laughs> uh, 
a little strange in that one. But he was basically starting, was he 18th anyway? Yeah. So yeah, it was just a hassle. So he moved ahead and obviously moved ahead of one immediately, basically, as well. So then obviously to add insult to injury, he ended up smacking into the back of uh, Espan Ocon after. And then tried to say on the radio at the time that Ocon changed his lines, which just, I don't get that. Which, which just wasn't true. It was just ludicrous. Um, Ocon was left hand side. Whether he, yeah, whether he thought Ocon was going to do, I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know. I'm not in the car. I can't really say, but it it just looked kind of bizarre, Uh, you know. And Martin Brundle was on it pretty quickly as well. So a very strange one. Got himself a 10 second uh, penalty for that as well. Well deserved. Um, Ocon kind of laughed about it afterwards and said Vettel came to apologise to him. So. yeah, as he as he should, but not everyone does, of course. So you know, at least give Vettel that um, magnanimous in in his, in his error. So and didn't really have too much to say about it post race as well on the radio. So you know, it was kind of, it was just just a, a nightmare start for Vettel. But at least he got the race done. At least there wasn't any mechanical or, or reliability issues that could prevent them from making any this worse, basically, and not giving him at least some running. So. Excuse me. So at least he had that under uh, under his belt, but yeah, not not a great start for Sebastian Vettel as with uh, with Aston Martin. I feel that they left him out to dry a little. They did. Yeah, he wasn't really put in a place to really succeed. They did leave him out to dry. Um, the one stop just didn't work. No. Uh, he's the only one who did it. Uh, most of the grid did two, with the sole exception being uh, Bottas did three to get the fastest lap no. at the end. Perez to three, basically having to obviously from lap one, basically as well. So everyone else to two, with the exception of, um, well, Gasly was in four times technically, but uh, everyone else basically did uh, did uh, to two essentially. So yeah, not helped by that. It was actually, to be fair, it was fun to see him. There was a little little gaggle during that race. It was him, Sainz, and Alonso uh, going at it, and <laughs> when Sainz was going by. Sainz is going by Vettel. Such an opportunistic thing for Fernando Alonso just to sneak up that inside there as well when Vettel had kind of ceded the position to Sainz. And then going back up the hill towards turn four, there was Sainz and Alonso going at it. That was, as brief as that was, that was very fun to watch, to be fair, watching those two kind of go at it. I was kind of wondering if they would collide, but they have been racing together long enough, uh, to, to be fair, Alonso and, and Vettel. It was, it was just fun to see, though. It was, it was quite a funny moment during the race. It was. I messaged my mate straight after it, and I was like, I don't know how Alonso's come off worst in this. I know. <laughs> Vettel was not giving that up. Like he was, Even no. though he was on the worst tyres, he was not letting that go. It was kind of funny just looking at it. It was good to see him not giving up, though. Like, yeah. He's still got the fight there. Which is, I, I like to see that. I, I kind of wonder if it was any other driver other than Fernando Alonso, would he have done the same? <laughs> like, Probably not. I don't know. Like you know, just uh, If I was Lewis Hamilton or something, like in the same situation, he's going to give, he's going to be, give you enough respect, I think. I don't know. I just yeah. I think the fact it was that it was Alonso was just I just a little bit it just I know, pumped up a little bit more I think to actually uh, to actually just go for it. It was very held. He actually took the position back. So uh, fair play to him. But yeah, hmm. otherwise a, a highlight in a very, otherwise very underwhelming underwhelming race. Indeed. Um, my main I've got a joke one here, which is Red Bulls and electronics. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> but an actual real one and this ends I don't know how much this actually ended up changing somewhat part of this race but it's Mercedes pit stop for Valtteri Bottas so here's the thing Valtteri Bottas was essentially nowhere in that first stint but the second stint he looked quite strong he was matching Max so like if he did come on he was, I think he was under five seconds um, behind Hamilton in stint two and he was more than that in stint one he's definitely a lot more comfortable in that second phase of the race 
whether it, it seemed like red mercedes were going to use the two cars obviously due to kind of you know two prongs of attack so to speak of strategy with the two cars ultimately this didn't end up working out because um second pit stop uh, it was a front right was horrifically slow they had to actually get the the I think the jack man at the front thought it was done. They had to get the jack back underneath, I believe, because the front they right they off. couldn't they couldn't get it off obviously because the car was down essentially. Um, so they had to get it back up, and then the tire then obviously so it was, a, it was a ten second pit stop, which obviously just completely ruined uh, Bottas's uh, race. It was telling to me that I was on. I had two. I had two feeds up. Well, technically three feeds up, but uh, Verstappen was one. Though. I was over Verstappen for a lot of that race, and quickly over the radio was uh, his engineer uh, Jean-Pierre Lambias and basically like I don't know how much the plan changed for Red Bull when when that happened but it was very much right we're staying out yeah was what they decided on so I don't know what may have been possible for Bottas he seen, like his engineer and Bottas himself seemed pretty optimistic that their pace was actually quite good in the end and that they could be encouraged by that but unfortunately he ended up just racing no one basically he was, it was a very lonely P3 for Bottas in the end ended up pitting uh, two laps from the end put the softs on set the fastest lap got himself an extra point in the end took one away from Verstappen of course in the process but just yeah unfortunate for Bottas it, it wasn't it wasn't great it wasn't a great weekend for him but the race was beginning to open up slightly for him I was disappointed that he didn't actually get to you know at least give himself a chance. It's tough to see him not to have a chance at least because he definitely was improving as that race was going on. Yeah, I think it was more and more laps he did. He seemed to get a better understanding of that car because in the qualifying in practice, he looked all over the place, could not get the power down. Said the car was impossible to drive on Saturday, undrivable on Saturday. Yeah, and it it didn't seem that way in the race. He was. I remember the gap. Max was on mediums, Valtteri was on arts. And the gap was just maintaining about 3.7, 3.8. And then obviously it came to the pits and it all went tits up. But yeah. Uh, it, it would have been nice to see what he could have done if that didn't go wrong. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see kind of how much of a factory could have been towards the Hamilton and Verstappen battle. In a sense, yeah, it is totally like plenty of encouragement. Like Toto was getting on the radio as well, pushing him, encouraging him. I think they're a bit more intentional about doing that as well, with especially with Bottas. And there's it happened a few times, I think last year as well, or I think maybe 2019 as well, where Toto would get on the radio and and, and come into Bottas for a bit of a bit of encouragement there. But yeah, sad that he didn't really get the uh, chance to kind of show where he was at because he was yeah he definitely caught a bit on Hamilton and stint too, and Verstappen and it just unfortunately just couldn't uh, just couldn't uh, couldn't well couldn't see it through after that uh, slow stop. Indeed. I have nothing else on my list. Do you have Me anything either. else? Me either. We covered a, a fair amount of ground in that, but ultimately, it was a very good race, to be fair. Like, it was a very entertaining race. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I have one thing to ask you. Mm-hmm. Star of the weekend. Start of the weekend. Star. Oh, star of the weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Star of the weekend. Let me look at the results. Star. There's two that spring to me. Spring to mind. One that springs to me as a weekend thing is Charles Leclerc. Yes. It's probably the star of the weekend for me. It is is Hamilton for the race and then Leclerc on a whole. Yeah, if you look at the weekend as a whole, I think uh, I think Leclerc. 
yeah, definitely. That that would be my with Sonoda. I think a uh, a good third shot for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think so as well. So I don't have too much else to add on this race. I think F one itself were big winners to get, especially coming off that, you know that first race. You have obviously the drive to survive season three. Again, you've got you're getting a lot of new fans coming in, especially. I follow a lot of US people on my timeline. It was, it was seemingly a lot more of an interaction from the US demographic. It was good that F1 produced a really good race to begin uh, this uh, this 2021 season. I think it was, it was really good to get off the good foot with a good race. I think Bahrain really provided that. Yeah, it needs to be the first race of every season from now on, I think. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, agreements will uh, keep that from, from happening. But... That is going to do it for the Bahrain Grand Prix. Next up on the calendar is the, the what was the name of this thing? The Amina Imagineer 60th something, I don't know. Pirelli flipping. It's, it's the longest name for a Grand Prix yeah, I've ever seen. I'm going to quickly Google it just to see uh, to see uh, if I can get the full name. It's utterly ludicrous. I want you to hear it. Made in Italy... Uh, and Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, and I think Pirelli has stuck their name somewhere along in, since then as well. Yes. So, utterly ludicrous name, but the track is Imola, so a bit of a three-week wait. So, plenty. Of t- look, there's going to be some, some, uh, <laughs> maybe yeah, scrapping a bit come in terms of content for uh, week two and week three, but we'll come with some. We'll get there. Uh, what you can expect though between now and then probably to maybe coming out on Wednesday Wednesday is uh, an F2 podcast so we want to cover some of the the F2 action from the weekend that would be would make this too long like we're we're close to an hour here and getting into Formula 2 stuff would only make this like an hour and a half basically so we'd have three races to get through so yeah there's a lot of content to get through I need to brush up on some of the F2 stuff as well because a lot happened over the weekend so uh, we'll, so expect that during the week as well for some extra content. If you're starving for some content, we'll, we'll, we're going to give it to you. That content. Mm, hashtag Bank. content. Bank that content. Uh, you got to <laughs> distance these things. So have you anything else to add for um, round one of the, of the Bahrain Grand Prix? I will sum it up. Very satisfied. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? Yeah, very satisfied as well uh, in terms of we're going to get this fight that was advertised we're going to get between yeah. Hamilton and Verstappen so that, that's again it's the same kidding and ultimately if Verstappen like I said that this beforehand before we got into all this even if Hamilton were to win that race we just want Verstappen to be close and Red Bull to be close yeah, and, and that's it, what happened and that's exactly what happened and even if in the end Mercedes and Hamilton weren't the fastest car you know we still have a real treat on our hands I think for the season so Ultimately, I, I, I'm very, I'm very satisfied with that, uh, with that uh, conclusion. Insane, same. As long as it's going to be like this all season, it's going to be a good season. Yep. Sign me up for 23 races of this. I'll be here. 20. <laughs> right. If, if, if you think so. <laughs> I predicted it, so I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Although that Canada, Canadian Grand Prix, I think, is becoming more and more of a question mark. But we'll see. We'll see where that goes. No. Sorry. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised if anything. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if things change in the recent in the next coming weeks with uh, with that but uh, that is going to do it for another episode of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast we did it we're under an hour amazing brilliant and I think and that was with a race that was all, there was a lot to talk about as well not all races will be like this so no. the fact that we could there's so much going on and to squeeze this under an hour I'm, uh, I'm very satisfied with that we're using that very satisfied term quite a lot 
oh, I, I have satisfaction, you know, that's, that's, that's just how I'm <laughs> feeling, you know. I demand satisfaction in, in lots of different areas, but I'm, that's I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know I satisfied you tonight. Well, that's 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 what I like to hear. I can only hope that uh, I met your needs as well. I hope it was good for you as it was for uh, was for me. It always is, Graham. It's always <laughs> a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Right, that uh, very swiftly that is going to be it. Um, my name has been Graham. Joining me has Hi. been the one and only Luke. Ah, there you go. Got the alley up on that one. I did. And uh, we shall see you on well later this week. So. From from me, take care. Goodbye.